Hey there, this is Rob Bonfilio, and this is Vicki Abelson, and we are on Game Changers, and I'm going to play you a song. Here we Yay! I get the 
I have listened to it so much that it's crazy. Wow. And what's so great to hear is to hear it live. The last time you were here was to do Women Who Write, and you That's were right. really, really sick. Yep. And everybody on the bill was sick that day, and they all do right. But you came. That's right. You showed up because the show must go on, <laughs> and you did it. And and you sang. You sounded fabulous. There ain't day. no sick days in show business. Th that's right. There ain't no sick days in show. <laughs> but but you know you definitely didn't Thanks. sing in the full voice that you just did just now. And even it, I, I hate to constantly say, "Well, my voice," okay. blah, blah, blah. but it's been the pollen. It's been oh. so windy and just like. My son has allergies, and mm. literally, he, he he couldn't breathe yesterday. We were out and about in it. it. It's crazy because everything is in bloom, and the wind was and crazy. It's blowing all over the place. Yeah, and it's blowing. So, but um, you get no you get no out <laughs> on this one because that full voice sounded pretty oh, perfect to me. And for those of you, I love that Rob did this. This is fabulous. You know why I'm so sick? Of, you know, okay. it's like, what's your website? Oh, well, it's www.rob. <laughs> I'll spell it out. Here it is. Screen grab that. So, so and right. Then, so you can take a shot. Um, so let's hold it closer so that you guys can see it. So you can take a little screenshot of that. Check it out. I have all That's my music so on there. I've got like five albums out. And check them all out. I, I have to do this because yeah. um, because nobody can spell my name correctly. They spell Abelson wrong and Vicky wrong. And it's for those of you who didn't see it, the name of the the name of this album and and it's actually got vinyl. vinyl. There's CDs, vinyl. Yeah. And yeah. so for those of you who do this, there's this. But see now, I have the CDs. But I listen to it streaming online because I don't have CD players anywhere. I, I know, I, they don't make CDs. They don't. They, That's crazy. It's crazy. So you have to do the CD Baby and the, right. the iTunes and all of that stuff. Yes. Otherwise, people can't access your music. Yeah. I don't have one in my car either. It's craziness. It's crazy. There's, I stream too. I mean, I, I do use the Spotify and stuff, but if right. I like something, I'll buy it. Yeah, because they're, they're making it so that you guys can't make money. Which is they That's, make it yeah, so that I can't. Sign of the time. It is art <laughs> suffers, but but you have some really good gigs, which we're going to get to. Um, but I in the meantime, I'm asking everybody out there, can you guys hear us okay? Because we had some issues with the uh, with the sound last week, so I want to make sure that everybody can hear nice and clear, and I think they can because everybody was sending up love and stuff for you, Rob. So Penny Barnett is out there. Hi, Penny. We love Penny. Love Penny. And uh, and who else is out there? Valerie and Paula. Oh. And Peg and Mary Ellen and Jamie oh, and let's see oh. who else is out there. There's lots of love. Chris Chris Celio. I, I worked with Chris at the China he he at the China Club in New York back in the day. Oh, yes. And I saw Chris was on here. Wow, that's amazing. Steve. Wasn't Cooper, the China Club wasn't that an old church? What or what was that? No, that was the limelight. The, limelight, the China that. Club is right next, was right next door to the Beacon Theater on the Upper West Side, and, gotcha. and actually, it's the cover of my book. Is that corner? Oh, but yes. it was it was downstairs into the bowels. I've never been in there, but yes, I remember. Yeah, it's it's long gone, unfortunately, yes. and now it's like some like gym or something. I mean, it's it's so wrong. I played so many of those clubs in New York that have probably gone. Kenny's Castaways. I ran the bitter the, the one next door to the bitter end, which was the other end, which was the Rock and Roll Cafe, which is now. They're, they're all gone. They're, they're all gone. The Bitter End is still there. The Bitter End is still there, yeah. Kenny's Castaways is a restaurant. Wow. It's, wrong. it's wrong. The Red Lion is still there on that corner. Wow. But so many things are gone. And the, I ran a club on the Upper East Side called True Blue that um, mm. I actually got married in. And we mm. got, and it's now a McDonald's. We got married in the Fry Station. Wow. <laughs> Somebody posted recent, today a picture of, you know, Manny's. Of course. And then oh, Manny's now. now. It's, an, it's an empty lot. They leveled it. It's gone. No. gone. But for no reason. Just because Somebody they bought it out. Some, some real estate development bought it out or whatever. And Manny's was like, Manny's was a 
Of course. Okay, so you're an East Coast guy, which I would never have guessed because you don't sound like an East Coast guy. Is it just the accent? Yeah, no, you don't. Yeah, well. Just talk to my mom. I'll call her right now. You can hear an accent. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was doing it. The phone and the. Well, okay, so what? What did you? What do you sound like when you're from Philly? Hi, Al. Hey, how you doing? You know, I don't know. You gonna get a hoagie? Let's go down the hole, get a hoagie, yeah. watch Eagles. Right. <laughs> and eat a pretzel, right? Yeah, eat a pretzel in mm, Philly. Mm, um, so I'm, I'm looking to see if anybody's saying anything about the sound. Can you guys hear us? Okay, are we good? Sounds great. They're saying it sounds great. Yep. Okay, look at all these comments. Are you getting all these? Look at all of these people Boston. talking to you. Somebody in Boston. I went to school in Boston. I was at Berkeley for four years, and I loved Boston. I miss it. Do you? Yes. No, you don't miss the weather, though. Come on. There's something about the weather that kind of coincides with an introspection thing, and just like. Okay, it's fall. It's time to start studying. It's just a whole thing. It's, in, it's like in my blood. Okay, so why'd you come out here? I got married. Okay. And, and, and I wanted to come out here. It was time for a change. Okay, so how did you... Uh, okay, so for those of you who don't know, tell us who your wife is. Carney Wilson is my wife. Okay, and how did you guys meet? We met in Philadelphia, where I'm from. Um, oh. What does that say? Oh, no, that's, oh. Uh, my, that's something that I can't... No, that's, that's okay. We met in Philadelphia. Okay, so she was out touring with Al Jardine, who's one of the Beach Boys, one of the founding members of the Beach Boys. And is this before Wilson Phillips? No, this is after. This is oh. long after. Well, they went on hiatus for a while, and then they're back. But there was so wait, so at what stage of your, of your life is this? This is 1999. Okay. Okay, so I was still living in Philly. And You're out of college. Out of college. And I had been in a band, signed to RCA, and then we broke up, and this was like just... Okay, now wait, is this Wanderlust? This is Wanderlust, yes. Who opened for the Who? We opened for the Who. Your yes. first band, and you op well, your oh, first, you, you first signed band. Signed band, yes. And you opened for the Who. Yeah, that was a, it was a one-time thing, but it was something special. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll come back to that we'll story. Back. Let's. Yeah. Well, I want to hear that story. Yeah, but yeah, let, yeah. Let's hear the Carney story. Yeah. Okay, so we met back a friend of mine named Ken Sharp. Hi, Kenny, out there. Come on, tune in. Why do I know that name? Support, supported brother. <laughs> Others. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is just, this is just the screens. Let's see if we can get it going here. Yeah, so so so, so okay, so so Ken was was gonna interview Al. Okay. Because because Al was in town. He, right. he was part of this bill of of kind of uh, it was it was Beach Boys family and friends is what they were called. Al okay. And when Carney Wendy were involved with this and and uh, but I, not Brian. No, no, no. This no, is no. this is completely separate from Come Brian. On. Okay. Um, but if you don't know, yeah. Carney's Carney's father's Brian Wilson, right. the Beach Boys, of course. And uh, so anyway, it was a it was like this day long event where they had War was playing and the Box oh, wow. Tops were playing, and, um, the Rascals were there, and it was oh. like a, it was a package little thing. And, oh. and and Al was there with Carney. And, and and why were you there? I was there because I was going along with my friend Ken, who was there to interview Al Jardine. So, oh, so you were going along with him? Who had to see the music? And I wanted but, to, I wanted to meet a Beach Boy I'd never met, and I was a fan, of course, not like a. A lunatic fan, <laughs> a crazy fan. Not yet, but <laughs> I come from the Beatles, and I love the Beach Boys to death. I really do. They're they've grown. I, well, I came to them life. later. Oh, really? I came to them later. I mean, of course, I knew all the surfing songs, but I didn't understand the depth of the catalog. Until you know, later. but I think that's because you're younger. You know, for me, I grew up with it. But well, yeah. for you, it was not first run when you. It wasn't first run. No, you're right. Right. right? So yeah. it's a different thing. I guess so. Yeah. I guess. Like, Pet Sounds could not have had the impact. I didn't understand that. Well, I knew the, the hits from the, you know, God Only Knows and Wouldn't It Be Nice, I knew from right. the radio for years and years, but I didn't understand that this was a concept album and, and it's meant to be taken from start to finish. And not until later, not until when I was in my 20s, when I was mature enough, I guess, 
mature. I wasn't, but mature enough to. <laughs> Are you to, mature enough now? Because I'm no. not. <laughs> yeah. To understand musically and, mm. and and still take away from it because that album has a lot of of um, it's melancholy and it has kind of like a longing and like. Uh, well, you know what? I was going to make you go back to Corny, but talk about that for a minute. Talk about what Pet Sounds is. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a chronicling of a loss of innocence. Mm. You know? It's a song cycle, sort of, that kind of looks back on a time when it was innocent and kind of longing for that time and what happened and where did it go and how, where do we go from here? And, you know. Have you talked to Brian about this? No. 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 This is just your. This is your take on it. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I mean, it's pretty evident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has that thing. It just has a magical element of melancholy that that can really touch you deeply. And it's touched. It touched me very deeply. So I think I that happens. I, I think that happens when you listen to it as an album. When you're just hearing the hits. Yeah, but I mean, you, you, you get it or you don't get it. Yeah. I, you know, I got it. So. Okay, so now you so so you're with your friend Ken Sharp. You're yes. going to interview. He's going to interview. Yes. And, and interview you're Al. We were backstage hanging out, and and. At what stage of your career are you at this? This point? was okay. So this is post Wanderlust. We had broken up, and it was it wasn't very amicable. So it was kind of uh, a rough time. Um, we'll talk I about was that in and out of other bands. Oh, it's so Wanderlust. Wanderlust. Okay, Wanderlust. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Um, but I was just kind of kicking around in other bands in town and just doing my thing and. Yeah, you're kind of, yeah. Doing... I was, I think I was, how old was I? 31. Okay. So. How yeah. long before had Wanderlust broken up? This was maybe the, uh, a year prior. Oh, so it's pretty new. It was new. Pretty yeah. recent, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So you were kind of still licking your wounds yeah. maybe a little bit? Basically, yeah, yeah basically. Because when you get that first signed. Oh, that's, yeah. That's like a big damn deal. It's a big thing, yeah. you know? And we were only a band for a year and a half before oh, wow. we signed. And it was a big whirl, whirlwind thing. Um, but anyway, so, so, we'll so come back yeah, 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 so, so, Carney. so I just ran, we, we, we saw them backstage, Carney and Wendy, I saw, saw both of them and Carney had the talk show in the, in the, you know, the mid, mid nineties. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching it and kind of, it was, it was, I told her that I enjoyed her show. Blah, blah, blah. Come on. You watched your show. I, I mean, come on. It was on once in a while. Yeah. And, you know, you're on the road or in a hotel room. Yes. Right now, you flip the channels. There it is. <laughs> and she was, boys crying. don't watch talk shows <laughs> in the afternoon. Right. I lied. Okay. <laughs> It was, a, it was a good line though, it worked. So yeah, right, okay. So we ended up going out to dinner with the band and everything, and Carney and I were talking, and just, we hit it off, and I don't Like know, right man. away, like boom? Yeah. It's, it's like boom. Yes. Yeah, that's the way it happens. And then, uh, you know, we parted ways or whatever, never said, we never had a formal like, hey, here's my number. Really? And then, yeah, it didn't happen that way. And then, I think I, I, Ken gave me some contact information. And I wrote, you know, it was great to meet you, and blah 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 blah. And then she wrote you, back wait, to me. Wait, so wait, you said goodbye to each other without like? I don't think we did say goodbye because it was kind of like we had just kind of walked our separate ways or whatever. We so you just had a conversation. You didn't like? We talked for a long time. You had you talked for a long time. Yeah. Kissy face. I mean, it was. I just met this person. No, okay. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. okay. Okay. All right. Not yet, but okay. um, so so yeah, so Ken gave me this. Lord, I don't even remember. This was at the dawn of the internet, so God, it seems like a year, you know, a million years ago. But it was some website or some whatever, and I just said, "Carney, it was great to meet you. Sorry, we didn't get to say goodbye." That was it. Okay. And then she wrote back to me, and I remember at the end of it, she's like, "And are you single?" 
And I was like, whoa! Okay. Hang on here. Okay. So anyway, long story short, you know, that led to phone calls, which led to dating, which led to here we are. How, how, how long did you guys court before you married? A year. Okay, that's pretty. A year. But we were also, you know, we're not in our early 20s. We yeah. had come out, come out of long-term relationships, and so we kind of knew um, pretty early on that it was, we're, we're, we jive. And how long have you guys been married? 19 years. 19 years and two kids later. Two kids later. Two girls. Two girls later, yes. And uh, it's kind of working. Oh. Although, be before we get into your career, we got to yeah. talk about wife swap for a minute. Oh, Jesus. Because I, I watched today. Cause Are you if, up to if, first? If, 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 yes, you can, you can say fuck, <laughs> fuck that wife swap, fuck. those bitches. You can yes. say all those things. <laughs> I get hit flack for that still. Okay, for, the, for anybody who hasn't seen it, so you guys traded with Tracy Gold and her Tracy husband. Tracy Gold and her husband, who were nice people, right? You know, we hung out afterwards. Like, oh, did you really? For, for a short amount of time, yeah. Okay. But the way they played that, they, there wasn't a whole lot of chemistry between Tracy and I, so there wasn't like a story. They had to make something. Okay. And supposedly, you know, you're with them for a week. It wasn't a week, it was three days. <laughs> it wasn't that, you know. And I was the most agreeable partner in the whole scenario thing because... Okay, wait, let's just stop yeah, saying yeah, yeah. Tracy Gold, I can say it, you can. A little controlling, a little OCD, a little, a little intense n n did everything herself four sons right. everything herself her husband did everything with her they yes. did it as a family That's right. intense a schedule timed yes. Yes. never late for anything right. everything okay right. they played they, they they kind of played me off to be an absentee father like okay we're gonna come it was like the middle of the day we're gonna come upstairs they had set up this whole scenario where i'm laying in bed and the covers are over my head it was like three in the afternoon Sakes. Wait a minute, they had you get in bed and Oh, do yes. Oh. And I'm like, sure, I'll do it. I'm agreeable. I'm, you know. Did I'm, they tell you why they wanted you to do that? No, they did not. They didn't say they were going to make me out to be an absentee dad. Which they totally did. Yes, by they the way. did. They, they made it look like Rob never saw his family. All he did was stay it's in the terrible. studio. It's terrible. The funny thing, yeah, exactly. The studio thing. The studio. Yeah. You're in this, okay, I'm, I was in the studio at dinner time, but little did we know that the studio is literally as close to your kitchen as it is from here. <laughs> it's just behind the door. So, and I remember they told me to go in there, and they're like, we'll knock on the door when we need you. I was like, okay, fine. Not that I'm like an innocent, you know, I do my, I, you know. Well, yeah, you're There's a rock days that I don't feel like driving the kids to school. There are some days like that. You're a rock and roll yes. dad. You sleep in sometimes. Sleep in. Yes, so of course watch. you do. Give me a break. All right. But they, but they, they really. Me out. And I'll tell you, people come up to me still, and I have to, I have to, you know, backpedal and tell them, explain that it's, because that's not what I, that's not me. I love my kids. You know, it's so weird because I met you first <laughs> before I saw that. Right, so, right. and if I was going to say anything to describe you, it would be that you are the nicest person I have ever met. So to see the way they portrayed you as yeah. kind of a dick, yeah. like yes. just really not very attentive to Carney, not attentive to your kids, having absolutely no interest in the family life, that all you did was go in your studio. That's such nonsense. It sucked. It sucked. Yeah. It, really? was, it was hurtful. So how much after you got they filmed it did you guys see it? It's constantly rebroadcast. I but I mean, but how long between the time that you filmed oh, it did you see it for the first time? I, maybe a month. I don't know what. what did the you did you was. did you say anything to them? Did you because we signed these big long contracts that say you can't you know you got to whatever. You don't you don't because Carney must have been freaked out. Not that happy they portrayed either. you that she way. Not happy. Of course Neither not. Of us. Neither of us. 
Because they also made Carney come. They made you guys come off as like kind of oh, right. pampered yeah. children. They and made slobs, like, and the house was a filthy mess, and we needed all these people to help. Right, you had like oh, they we, said you had like a oh, whole crew. We had we had we have a nanny. We had a nanny. Mm -hmm. That was it. And then Carney's aunt used to come by all the time because she was just part of the family. Right. That was it. They painted they you made guys. Us. Like silver spoon, like oh you guys God, have. Please, yeah. It couldn't be farther from the truth. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I, I see Connie's Instagram and I see she's constantly cooking. She's oh, creating yes. this food totally. thing and she's, always cooking things yes. for the family. Yes. And yeah, it, it, it didn't. Cool. It sucked. So those those of you who think reality TV is reality, no, think again. No, it's not, people. <laughs> Surprise! Sorry to burst the bubble there. Oh, that really sucks. That's mm. not. Um. So. Okay, so so you guys have had this long. Okay. Uh, shiny. You're shiny. Need, uh... But you know, see, I'm seeing us as blurry. Hey guys, tell us out there, are we blurry there? Because sometimes I say that, and then people tell me we're not. So we're not through the camera, right, Pete? What? Rob is totally not what they said. Yeah, everybody's. Uh, That's like, yeah. ah, you look good. You're it lo looks good. No hips. No hips. No, my hips lie. Um, so I'm Thank you, Paige. Thank you, Debbie and Penny. Everybody's saying what a nice guy you are Rock to on people. <laughs> Best hubby. Um, so, okay, so let's go back. Mm -hmm. You're a kid in Philly. Mm -hmm. what, are your parents musical? Is your family musical? No. How does, how does this come to you? I think it came in a few different ways. I think it was just innate because I remember my parents inherited a box of records from, I don't even know where they got it from. It was just a box of records, LP records. Mm -hmm. And there was all kinds of things in there, like Junior Walker and the All-Stars and then Jimmy Smith, the jazz organist. Mm -hmm. And then like Manfred Mann, just mm -hmm. all from every, everything from 50s through jazz, through soul and R&B. And, mm -hmm. and I love that. I, I, I just ate up those records put them out. How, how old are you? Um, five, six, seven. Oh, little kid. Yeah. Well, what was the music of your day? Like, what was the music of your day? Okay, well, first of all, I have to preempt. I have an older sister. Okay. Three, three and a half years older. So she was always bringing home singles right. and stuff. So we were playing records in the, in the garage, in the driveway, just hanging out. 45. So... Um, and so what are you listening to when you're a kid? I'm thinking about the 45s we bought. Mm. From Billy Don't Be a Hero <laughs> to the Sweets uh, Ball. Blitz and the Osmonds and oh. Jackson Five. Okay. There's a lot of great soul music in Philly, so that was always on the radio, AM radio. Um, what else did we have? Boy, we have a lot. And, uh, and is she musical? No. 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 Are you? But a music fan, yes. Okay. Are you singing already? Are you? No. You're not. I wanted to. Uh, there was also one record that was in that box. It was a Gershwin record. It was just strings. Oh, wow. It was. It was. If you look back now, you can say it was it like an easy listening. Stradivarius string was played Gershwin. So, wow. And I was obsessed with that. And I, really? I wanted to play violin and I just wanted the whole, yeah. I was obsessed with that and I was probably six. And you wanted to play violin? Yes. I thought violin was an instrument parents made their kids play. <laughs> no, I, I, I heard the strings and I just, and also wow. we used to go to my grandparents a lot um, and on my, my mom's side mm -hmm. and they were always. Were they musical? No. no. But they were music fans. My okay. grandmom would always be singing standard tunes or whatever. And they had like this hi-fi system. This was, you know, they were post-war, 1950s, whatever. So they yeah, had the, yeah, so they had the cool, all the whatever. The 50s kitchen was going, and it was. Like, <laughs> but they had something. Speakers were all around the house. Oh, and they wow. always, whenever we come over, they'd always have like this easy listening station on. 
And it was always, you know, strings and Johnny Mac and all this stuff. Cool. And I just have a connection to that because... It's home. Yeah, it's home, and it it reminds me of good times and just safety and all that. Mm -hmm. Because my parents split up when I was eight, so that was when everything exploded, and then that's when I got into rock and roll, and I'm like, all right, mm, rebellious. (laughs) So, I... Oh, and I was a Beatles fan, too, at six. How did that happen? Because uh, Yellow Submarine, they used to play every year, the cartoon, and I was like, wow, when I, I remember first seeing that. So I went out and bought... My parents bought me the Yellow Submarine soundtrack, and the next album was Abbey Road, and I lost my mind. I was like obsessed. And did you go back? Did you then go back to the? Not till later. Okay. Not till later did I really investigate all the albums. Not until I was probably in my teens. Okay. Well, that's yeah. That's still young. Yeah. So so when does this happen? What's the first thing that? Okay, so what's the first thing you want to be when you grow up? Do you want to be? Do you want you? Do you want to be a violinist? What What is calling you when you're? A kid? I knew. I didn't. Oh, uh, shortly after after. Okay, so I was eight, and my parents split up. We moved away, and it was it was a, a whole traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. I got into Kiss. Okay. Hi, Ace. Ace used to play my jams. Nice. Yeah. And from there, just like. So you were you were like a me- you were like a metalhead. Well, this is pre-metal, so this is True, late seventies, right, right. mid hard, to late seventies. So what they called hard rock. Hard rock. Okay. Classic rock. So, so we, the, 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 yeah. So that was the first obsession. I started. That's when I was obsessed. Like I started to have obsessions with music, and Kiss was the first obsession. Wow. And my room, my bedroom was you know floor to ceiling posters. And your mother must have loved that. She didn't care. Oh, really? <laughs> she was cool with it. She was cool. So, okay, so that's good. She's like, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And are you playing yet? No, I'm not, not playing. But, I mean, that's around the time that I bought my first album with my money. And I think it was Kiss Alive 2. <laughs> it was either that or there was, a, there was a repackaging of their first three albums called The Originals. And I remember buying it at, was it Woolco? It was called, yeah, a place called Woolco. It's basically wow. Woolworths, but became, I don't know, it was like a bastardization of Woolworths. Well, I don't remember Woolco. Woolco, yeah, okay. Well, years later, I climbed on the roof. It was like a, a department store, and my friends and I climbed on the roof, and we got arrested. It was fine. <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's bad. Um, <laughs> we want to hear those stories, too. Wow. Um, so, okay, so yes, so with kiss, kiss. kiss. And, so how old Tennis you? rackets, you know, in the mirror with friends. I'd have, my basement was a kiss thing, and we would... I was in the Kiss Army. I bought everything I could, and we would have Kiss parties. You? I'm ten. Oh wow, you're little. eleven. Okay. Yeah, ten or eleven. But shortly thereafter, my sister brought home Cheap Trick at Budokan. Mm-hmm. Kiss posters were gone. It was Cheap Trick. <laughs> wow. Obsessed. Okay, obsessed with with Cheap Trick, and that kind of brought me into okay, I want a guitar now, and I was probably 12 when I got my first guitar in the seventh grade. So did you get an electric guitar? Did you get an yeah, I got an electric you guitar. You got an electric yes, guitar right away. It. it was K. It was a brand K. It was kind of like an SG copy. And, um, what yeah, color was it? It was red. Cherry red. Yes, it was. Okay. And I studied at the local music store, um, Fretz's Music, right in Satterton, up at uh, 113 and 309. It's probably <laughs> still there. It's probably still there. And I remember Carol. Carol, I can't remember her last name, was my teacher. She was cool. I, you know, I Did studied. she let you play rock and roll? Yeah, it was like... Was she trying to teach you, like... Um, she was... I think she was pretty to my interests in rock. But okay. she also wanted to, you know... Because you got that foundation, you got to learn to these playing single notes. Yeah, because I didn't know how to do anything. So you learned how to read music? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I studied with her maybe six months and I quit. So. Okay, that's a good And um, I was like, yeah, I just want to be a band. And so we were in a study hall band together, you know, we had our things. This is the band, the name of the band is this, and, and I think we were called TNT or something, but we never actually played together. But we, everything was plotted out, though. Um, I'm the rhythm guitarist, and you're the lead guitar player. He'll be the singer. You never it's, actually could somebody play lead. At, like, oh, no, no, not a ten. But it was like a fantasy. Like this is what we want to do. We're gonna. This is seventh grade. Um, and so, like, what kind of music did you guys want to play? The Who, Stones. Okay. You name it. That's and this ambitious. also kind of corresponds to when I started going to see concerts and when I started smoking pot and the whole thing. And okay, like, so what's what was your first concert? First concert was Van Halen at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, 1981, July 26th. It was the Fair Running Tour. Yes, yes. My second concert was a couple months later. It was the Rolling Stones at JFK. Tattoo You. Saturday, Wait. September 26th, 1981. Big, big deal there. I can't believe you remember the dates. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, <laughs> Was yes. seeing the Stones life-changing? Yes, it, yeah. yes. Shit, yeah. It was just like... Welcome to debauchery because it was JFK Stadium was an outdoor stadium, it's like a horseshoe state shaped stadium, and there was like ninety thousand people there. It was a record breaking attendance. Oh thing. my god! And there was Hell's Angels there. There was every every level of you don't want the Stones and the Hell's Angels in the well, same no, place. Well, no, but for some reason I know Altamont. Well, yeah, I don't know why that there was just a lot of bikers and a lot mm -hmm. of just like I just remember there's a lot of vomit everywhere. Yeah, it's like people oh. drunk. <laughs> There was people walking up and down selling pot oh and weed God. and acid and everything. I'm 14, 13, 14. No, was I 13? I must have been 13. But I think we brought our own weed to that show. We took the train in. To, it was crazy. I mean, wow. it was like, wow, this is, a, this is heavy duty. And, and you were, so and how old are you then? 13 or 14. And you're smoking pot. That's when I yep. started smoking pot, yep. which changes sort of everything. But it, was, it wasn't like we, it was, it, we were all our own peer group together. We all, there wasn't like some guy giving us pure, we all did it together. Right, So it right, was right. fun, it was, everything was fun. There was no bad, I never really went beyond weed and pot. And I remember I had bought a bag of Sense, sense of Meat, remember Sense oh, of Meat? Oh, of course I remember Sense of Meat, sure. Oh, it was. And we smoked I, the they whole don't, thing. The kids today, they don't know what that is. But, <laughs> I don't know what it is either, it was some today, kind of stronger today, weed or something. Today, if you smoked a whole bag of weed, you'd probably be dead. The <laughs> it's right, is you're now. right. I, mean, I haven't smoked It's regulated weed. and it's, yeah, it is. A whole bag of pot. We used to be able to smoke a whole bag That's of pot. That's what we did, yeah. I remember. <laughs> and just being like, it was like we couldn't get off the couch yeah. kind of thing. Like, oh my God. <laughs> and I remember one time, those friends of mine, they, they we smoked something and I don't know what the heck. They made me walk to like the local delicatessen to get something and I was just like, you know, you know, it's like you're on the conveyor belt. I can't, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm 13, I didn't know. It's like, Jesus. So anyway, by the time junior high school was over, I was done. I was like, I, that was fun, I'm done. Oh, really? And everybody else just started to get into their life. Wait, you were done after junior high? I'm so yeah. impressed. Yeah. Oh man. I, mean, I smoked Good. once in a while. I had it here and there and whatever, but it wasn't the same, like, a, I'm, I'm what they call a normie. Wow, I'm so impressed. I'm not, however, but better or worse. <laughs> I'm happy seventeenth birthday good, to me on good Sunday. For you. Yes. <laughs> uh, and pot was the drug of choice. Sure. Okay, sure. so that was that's incredible that you stopped right away. Okay, and so what? I can't help but think that it, it, I smoked all that when I, in a very developmental time in my mind. So I might have like messed something up. I don't know. I don't know. It looks like maybe that was the obsession with music that, that led me on that. <laughs> I don't know. 
thought it all worked out pretty well for yeah, you. I guess. Okay, so so you get out of junior high. You mm-hmm. never the band never really played that you had formed. The band, right? Well, okay. by junior, okay. So by then, okay. Are I'm you talking. playing rhythm? Are you the rhythm guitarist at that time? At this point, I ran off with another guitar buddy, and we really started getting serious about learning how to play. And so, and and, and it was how you. How, oh, oh yeah. And how are you Five learning seven. to play lead? Are you doing it by ear? Just hearing the records, yep, and jamming together, you know. Wow. And, and are, are you reading? You're not reading. Music. No, not no. yet, because I didn't okay. re. I didn't re-enter my studies. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. I did that later. Later on, when I started to get into jazz. I'm okay, a jazz. jazz I'm, a, I'm still to this very day a jazz nut, and that's all I play. So. <laughs> okay, my I life did not. My life. I, yeah. But you, a but you of, put out pop music. I love that too. It's kind of a duplicitous I mean, you're, you're, life. You're great. Duplicitous have you put out a jazz life. album? No, I have not. But I, that's in the cards. Is that so? Not, I yeah, did not know talking, this about yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, not smooth jazz. Jazz, jazz. Blue like, Note Records, Prestige, Coltrane, Miles. Okay, because progressive jazz, I don't understand. Prog rock, that was something else I went through as well. That was oh. a phase. Rush and Genesis, yes. Yeah. I love all of that stuff. So but, but, but progressive jazz, I don't understand. I don't know what progressive jazz is. What is that like? Progressive jazz is when, it, when it's all like weird stuff that doesn't connect. <laughs> it's how I think of it. I remember it. asking my mom years when I was little, like, what is jazz, mom? And she's like, it's where everybody just plays together and it just makes a big noise. <laughs> well, how would you describe jazz? Jazz is is a communicative art Ooh. that is improvisation based, and it's a language. And just like any language, you have dialects. Okay, so you, oh. have, you do. You you might have well straight ahead jazz, bebop, post bop. Right. We're talking like you know Art Blakey and Wynton Marsalis. And it's, it's kind of a different cat, but. What what different cat how? He he was very much an ex, a, a champion of of, of like post bop jazz when the what, 80s what, is, what is what is post bop would be like everything that came after like Charlie Parker and the guys who originated bebop. Okay. Bebop is you know it's it's heavy improvisation over chain chord changes going very fast. So they'll take a song like Honeysuckle Rose. Mm-hmm. And who will turn it Can into? Can you play something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could. Yeah, play us some jazz. Play us some cool jazz. Not co- you don't. You don't play cool jazz. Nah. Well, no. cool jazz is like I said. It's a dialect. It's a dialect of jazz. Cool jazz could mean Stan Getz. Could mean West Coast jazz from the fifties. Like play, like play, I some, play. play I, I, can't, I'm not, I can't. I can't say. Oh, here's here's well, cool jazz. Okay, but, but so I, you know, I'll sit at home and I'll just play. You know. changes, okay? So you got B minor major seven or B minor six. So you can play that kind of stuff. So it's you're speaking a language over chord changes. So and, and these chord changes are they could be based on most of the repertoire is based on standard tune harmony. Standard tune harmony like a song called All the Things You Are, which is an old show tune Bye. from some movie, so it's like Thank you. 
And as a and when are you when are you getting hip to jazz? I got hip to jazz in high school because I studied with a teacher who went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston oh. and kind of was steering me in that direction. I see. And my ears just like exploded because I was so into music and I just really absorbed everything around me. And jazz, I just ate it up. You know, it, 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 there, there's, there's like gateway music that leads you into that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, like, what makes somebody go from Zeppelin and the Stones to develop it? Because that's a very sophisticated taste. So I guess it is. I mean, it, it could come from music I remember hearing when I was young and mm. falling in love with. Philadelphia is a huge jazz town. Mm. So, so many great players had come out of Philly. Lee Morgan and John Coltrane lived there for years. Mm -hmm. Um, Bobby Timmons, just like it's endless. There's so many great players, so it's a real that tradition is just steeped in just being there. I guess if your ears and, and, and eyes are open to it, it's there. Um, and are you listening to that music? I'm being turned on to this music. There's also there's a radio station called WRTI. I don't know if it's. I think it's still there. Um, WRTI was the Temple University station that played okay. jazz, and they used to play jazz 24/7. So like. I would tune in, and I would leave the radio on all night uh -huh. and listen to this. And, and I remember they would have these special shows where they'd like, at four in the morning, they'd play like Anthony Braxton, free jazz kind of stuff. And uh -huh. It just, it was just fascinating to me. I love it. The music so, it just draws you in. And I just fell in love with it. And it co corresponds to being a musician and playing mm -hmm. and learning all your scales. And it just became one to me. It's know? still there. Absolutely. WRTI. Yeah. Oh, oh somebody, WRTI. Somebody yeah, just came on and told us that? Yeah, I just looked it up. Oh, and I gotta say, yeah, oh, WRTI. There was a guy, Harrison Ridley Jr. had a show on WRTI on Sunday nights. It was called The Positive, what was it called? Positive Effect. Uh, it was something, but he would play his, he had a vast record collection. He would just play whatever he wanted. This was freeform jazz radio. He would curate each show. And he passed away years ago, but I mean, those are, my, those are my heroes. Freeform radio was the, oh my God. Yeah, it was that. I mean, it, oh. it was that. Yeah. And, and especially college stations where they had total yeah. freedom. Yeah. They since, like, when I left Philly 20 years ago, they had gone half classical, half, like it started to water down a little mm. bit. I don't know where it is now, but I mean, those, those cats were the, were the ones that I tuned into and listened to and turned me on to, it's what led me to the next level in my development of music. So how did you figure out that you could play by ear? How does that happen? It's either, it's always, it was always there. It was just there. Yeah, I mean, I learned, I learned more by, you can go to school for, your, for, your, for the, your whole life if you don't have the ears to understand and to, you can spout off technical stuff all you want, but if it's not here and in your brain and in your heart, it's, it's useless. So when you hear something, are you see, are you, when I'm playing, when you are listening to music, can you? I can. I know what's going on. Yeah. And sometimes, also, I have a kind of a synesthesia. Is that what it's called? I don't know what's that. Well, it's where where one sense kind of like certain music. I see colors, certain colors. Yes, I know about this from um, Stephen Dorff told. Oh. Steve Dorff told me about. It could be anything. That. It could be. Yeah. Anything. I have that to a he degree. Not, not, yeah. To a degree, I have that. So, some music will be attractive to me, and have wow. to be a certain shade of color. I don't know, <laughs> or sound. It could be anything from a tidbit of music to pieces of music. I don't Do you know. remember the first thing that you listened to that you sat down and you taught yourself to play? Yeah, I think it was a Tom Petty. Um, 
I think it was. Um, Steve Ferroni was here a couple I weeks know ago. He was. I thought oh. was Steve Ferroni. Oh, what a monster. I love you, Steve. Um, um, don't have to live like a refugee. There's a couple licks in there that, that Mike Campbell played that I remember. Oh, whoa. Okay. I don't remember what it was exactly. And like, so you taught so that, yourself to like that, play yeah. notes and like do all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I taught. And then uh, I was into Yes, and this was mm. around 79, Yes Drama. I had it on 8-track. Drama, which was kind of like <laughs> the dark horse in their catalog of music. Cause, because John Anderson left the band and it was Trevor, Trevor Horn mm -hmm. came in and took his place. And I think that's a great album. And there was one song called Tempest Fugit, and it was like, and I remember learning that, and like it came really easy. I'm like, whoa! And I said, that's all I played for like a month. I don't know. <laughs> so I knew I kind of had an ear, and I was able to pick stuff out and learn stuff out. And so when when do you start studying again? High school? Yeah, in high school. And so this teacher then got, is feeding you jazz, yeah. and sort of yeah. giving you. And he went to Berkeley College of Music, so it was like you know you would do well there. And, and also, I got to back up a little bit. Okay. In high school, there are a couple of select few players that, guitar players, for, for whatever reason, whether it's in the water, I don't know. Because we, mm -hmm. the suburbs where I grew up, we were this far farm country, we're out there. Okay. But there's one guy, Pete, Pete Smyzer, who was just magical, a magical player. He's, he's a jazz guitarist to this day. And it was always kind of like, damn, I want to be as good as that. But wow. I, I don't think I quite had. I was still kind of. Well, but you've got your feet in a few genres, so it's. But we also had. Yeah, I did. I did. But but we also kind of helped each other out. Not just me and Pete, but also other players mm -hmm. would just inspire one another, whether directly or indirectly. Mm -hmm. So those guys are kind of like the biggest inspirations. It's like I'm going to be good too, man. Watch this. <laughs> and, so, and so, what did that look like for you? That that's a really that's that's a, a an important. It's a point. real pure thing. I mean, it's like it's how a, much were you play? Like, would you would you get home from school? Are you like? Oh yeah. You're playing all the time. Yes, but it also played into being introverted. I'm an introverted person. I'm shy. I don't like, to, you know. I would go out maybe on a Friday night. I'd just stay home and play or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because, and it took it took me also a long, long time to feel comfortable playing in front of anybody. Anybody? Because there's. How did okay? So how did that start? What's your first band? Wow. Uh, my first band, I think, was Triton. We were like a metal kind of a pro, proto metal band. This is 1983. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we we're into Ozzy and all that stuff, so it was kind of like that. That's what I want to be, man. And we practiced. We were about together for about a year or so, two years. Maybe. And so are you playing like parties? Uh, yes. Like proms or I don't know. What do you Not even that, but yeah, like, like parties, parties and things, yeah, and uh -huh. mostly we just practiced a lot. And so but that was the first, like you're, you know, real. And you play lead guitar. Yeah, you're mm -hmm. playing lead guitar. And so, are the girl like? Are you realizing that this is a way to get girls? Has that happened yet? <laughs> or is that not so much yet? Yeah, no, I don't think that ever happened. No, I'm still waiting for that to happen. No, I'm yeah, kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was always kind of like a periphery. Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, a lot of musicians who have been in this living room have said that that was like the inspiration I for starting see that. to play. Of course. Yeah. It's. it's as an introvert, this is an extroverted way to communicate, you know? Yes. And to this day, I'm, I feel comfortable, more comfortable on stage than I do off, for what it's worth, mm -hmm. to a degree. Although, you know, it's interesting because I, I wouldn't say that about you. Oh, believe me, I've... I'm the I, analogy thing. Right. You get, <coughs> you learn to adapt over the years. You learn to adapt. Because you're really good at conversation. 
I am, and I'm, but it's it's an adaptive process that I've learned. Because you have to. Yeah. <coughs> and also, I'm not what? saying that this is uncomfortable. It's not. But but there are. <coughs> Excuse you're right, me. Bless you. I'm totally having allergies. Mm. Um, and while I am, I'm going to give a shout out. <laughs> You'll be on our next tissue box. Rick Smolke of Quick Compressions of Chicago. Rick, I just saw that I had a Facebook memory today from 2012 of you sending these boxes to us um, because Mackenzie Phillips wrote a book about her dad and um, she made us all cry. And people said, you should have tissue box. You should have Rick, your swag guy, made tissue boxes. And he did. And Mackenzie's on here. And yeah, so. No, she's sisters of Trying Phillips. So we're you family. have a yes, your family. She's yeah. mishpucha, as we say mm-hmm. in Jewish. Um, I love Mac. Um, she's amazing and a sober woman as well, yes, who's done right. amazing things yeah. in sobriety. Absolutely. Um, and so and so yes. Yeah, so Rick makes all my stuff. And so if you ever need, I know you. S- do you self produce? My records. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if you ever need stuff done. I say this every week, and no one ever takes me up on it. But Rick will like do your letter notes, he'll do your oh. your your CD things, and he's never charged a musician. Wow. He is a total artist um, appreciator and helper wow. facilitator. So nice. Rick Smokey of Quick Impressions of Chicago, if you need anything done, even if you're not a musician, he will be great to you because he um, he's just that kind of guy. He's he's the one the reason that we do the PSA for the veterans. He's nice. just. Just a very philanthropic, wonderful guy. And then there's my hairdresser, who um, has, yes, it's called um, Hair Crush Love. Fuck off. Fuck off. That's what it's called, her hairspray. <laughs> and it's Nicole Venables of the Ruby Begonia Salon. And uh, she keeps me coiffed, and she's For fantastic. You. For you. And she's wonderful. She does a lot of... Uh, Did somebody coiff my hair? Your hair is great, You know though. who coiffs my hair? Who? I coiff my hair. No, you don't. Yeah. How do you cut the back? I have, I have Floby. Okay, well, yeah. I don't even understand those things. It's a thing you can hook up to the vacuum cleaner. It's you get sucks up the hair, and then there's a blade <laughs> that cuts you, it. How do you it's just all one length. How do you? It's all one length. It just. But what? My hair makes, is messy enough and thick enough to so you can't really tell that it's no, just it all one length. No, it looks really good, but how does it like you not end up with like a shaved head when you? Well, I, there's like these adaptive pieces that you can put on it. It's like an inch or whatever you can set the, the size. Do you know how these? Oh, totally. Pete I haven't had a proper compla- haircut in 20 years. Pete is complaining that he can't get a hair appointment until next week. Pete, you need a Floby. I'm coming over. I'm telling yeah. you. I'm telling you. The Hoover doesn't work with scissors. I tried. <laughs> okay, so so Pete, we haven't talked to you yet. Pete George is behind the camera. Pete, come on over. All right, and say come on over. Tell us where, where, where you're going to be. Where, where's, where's the gig, Pete? By the way, last week was awesome. Friday, 600 people at the uh, Abbey Casino in Laughlin. Nice. Rocking show. Um, yeah. Pete is a rock and roll guitar, is the rock and roll comedian. He plays oh, very guitar cool. and... Electric guitar nice. and stand-up show. Excellent. It's quite different. And so where are you going to be, Pete? Uh, I am in San Clemente at Adele's. Ooh, don't go to jail. On the 27th. Okay. And then uh, May 5th, I'm in a new club doing two shows, Rockies in Temecula. And then we're working on shows at the MGM in Cleveland. So. Nice. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. Fine. It's Pete George. <laughs> and uh, and Pete, uh, and thank you for doing this. Yes, yeah, absolutely. This is fun. Great. Isn't he awesome? Talent. He is. So Pete, has yeah, anybody does anybody have questions for yeah. I haven't been looking. Do we have questions? Let's well, this is a good time to take a break and talk and do questions. We have questions. Awesome I've actually have. saved them. Oh good. Thank you. <laughs> okay. My major in college Ready. was uh, jazz guitar. Say that again. 
Somebody asked a question. My, oh. ma- my major in college was jazz. Jazz guitar. So, so you, your major in co- Okay, so, so your high school teacher kind of led you to start jazz. Was mm-hmm. he the one who influenced you to do Berkeley as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was an outside teacher, but this was during high, when I was in high school. Oh, oh, it was an outside teacher. <laughs> outside, yeah. I worked at a local music store kind of thing. And... So in high school you're doing the you're doing the the metal ba- you, well mm-hmm. yeah you're doing that mm-hmm. are you what else are you doing musically is that is that your thing uh, yeah. that's your thing yeah, that's it. and how does pop music come into your uh, because this yeah. album is so <laughs> I mean like you have so many hits on that album it's ridiculous Thanks. yeah it is and, just, and again it's called Trouble, Trouble again. again it's Trouble Again you can it's buy it on our website Trouble Again you can buy it at this. Screen grab that. Screen grab that. Okay. <laughs> it's just music that's in my soul. I don't know. It's I grew up with classic rock and. I don't what know. was the pop music that turned you on besides the Beach Boys? And Went back in the day or. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> what pop? What, now, what what pop music drive? What what? Um. Jeez. What comes on that you go? Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I, um. Like uh, the turtles, like oh, you know, the, the, the castles. I love the castles. I love them all in last week. Um, it, yeah. So wonderful. I love you, Bob. Bob's a doll. Hey, J- uh, Jamie wants to know if you're on Spotify. Um, yes, I am. Perfect. And Paige Simonson said, uh, "When can I get Rob to come here to Oahu and perform?" Oh, not a bad place. And to then go. she I'm said, <laughs> "Then she said, Rob can send me my check." LOL. Uh, 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 <laughs> oh. Super fan. <laughs> So, um, uh, so pop music? Yeah. God, I don't know. Here, I'll, so I'll like, look at what, what I listened what, to last on my So what, what was the pop music like when, when you were... Because I think the music that influences us the most is the music that we hear when we're like 10, 11, 12, mm-hmm. that kind of music. So, you know, for me, it was the Turtles and, and the Stones and the Beatles and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, same so, for me. Same for me. Really? Stones and the Who and Kinks. And, yeah. And, uh... Mm-hmm. And 79, was that one? 79-80 was a great year for music. Mm-hmm. Pink Floyd, The Wall came out, and In Through the Outdoor, and The Cars, and The Candy O was out, and God, The Pretenders, first and second mm-hmm. albums. Mm-hmm. All that stuff I mm-hmm. love, and it's deep, deep in me. Um, but that's not... I wouldn't say anything that you just listed listed no, to me sound like I'm trying to think I'm of I'm not trying to emulate anything no, no, either, not at all. Yeah. But, I, but I'm just saying that you you have a very um what would I liken this to? I mean you don't sound like anybody else. You sound like yourself. But it's 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 power pop. It's it's very it's driven. Um, these, these songs are pretty song song songy. Here's the verse course, here's the bridge kind of thing. They're definitely constructed as songs. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know. It's just the music I love, I guess. I and so the the uh, like other stuff that you've written, because to to watch Celebrity Wipes off, all you do is write music twenty four seven. I was thinking, God, you must have a lot of songs if you're in there twenty four seven. A lot of them get thrown away. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you play us anything that is not pop that you've written? That I've written? Yeah. Oh jeez. Not pop. So pop is what you write. Generally, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's good. That's, yeah, I like that. That's what I do. It's your thing. But but then there's this whole other jazz, serious side to you. 
Do you, do you go out and play jazz with people? I do, yeah. I do. I do gigs every so often, maybe once to twice a month. Oh, from, really? From Long Beach to Redondo Beach to... And like, who do you play with when you're playing jazz? Friends that I've met through mm-hmm. jazz, whatever. We, we have kind of like a core group of... There's uh, another guitar player, bass and drums, and we kind of rotate and we'll do trios and maybe a duo here or there, whatever. And so is there like a... Is there a set list when you're doing jazz, or is well, it just... We, well, there's, there, there are certain fake, you know, there's what's called a fake book. Um, oh, what's that? A fake book is basically, and there's a number Wedding vows. It's wedding vows to me. A, a fake, fake book. book. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's very nice, Pete. <laughs> These are books with, with standard tunes and just like maybe one to two pages of a standard tune or a modern mm-hmm. jazz tune. And they're called fake books because initially they were they were put together illegally oh. because you know, with, they skirted any copyright laws and just put together for for jazz musicians. Mm-hmm. So you say, I want to play, uh, you know, out of nowhere. Okay, well, open it up, or if you don't know it, you know, it's just in the book. If somebody doesn't know it, so we'll just call tunes. Okay, we'll just call tunes. And then basically, beyond the initial get in there, you're improvising beyond that. I'm assuming. Exactly. So you'll play, you play the tune, you play the play the melody, and then you're off to improvise. You know, that's your solo for however many choruses. That's yours, and you trade off. That's that's like the meat and potatoes of jazz. <laughs> wow. Okay. So. So if you had to name something that gives you the most pleasure to do, is that is that what it, does that? That is probably the closest to my. It's my zen. Mm. It's my zen. I play, and I try to play several hours a day. Every day. Still, still, yeah. I and, try to. And you play mostly jazz when you play. Yeah. Solely jazz. Yeah. Wow. I, I go in and out. Like I, I'll go through writing phases where I have to write. I have to see when when I'm doing this, then I feel bad I'm not doing mm-hmm. that. It's, it's duplicitous. Mm-hmm. It's tough, man. So How hard. long did it take you to write this? Uh, I wrote that over maybe a, a year and a half to two year period. Recorded it. I wanted to ask you about that about um, the um, about passenger seat oh, because yeah. I was listening to passenger seat today and I'm thinking, okay, what does Rob mean by that? Because the image that came into my head because I am a Scorpio, I immediately <laughs> said, oh, does he mean join me in the passenger seat like we're gonna sit together? What does it mean? Means come on, come with me. Oh, it does. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, but you're gonna be in the driver's seat and she's gonna be in the passenger seat because I thought you're both yeah. gonna be in the. That's oh cozy. well, maybe I, I kind of like it cozy. <laughs> lyrically, when I'm writing, it's 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 I, I, it's hard to be very pinpoint specific about things. It's almost general, and then I go back and say, oh, that could be I'm talking about this, that, or the other thing. You know? So how 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 autobiographical is your music? I would say it's 100% autobiographical. I like that because I get it. So what is trouble again? What, what what motivated trouble again? turmoil or you know am I doing what's right it's mm. just existential nonsense you know no, that's not nonsense but it makes sense lyrically where I come from as a writer mm-hmm. I think that it's it's obviously very open to interpretation mm-hmm. which are the kind of lyrics I like yes I mean I also love storytelling lyrics but mm-hmm. I'm not that's quite, not your that's thing. not my mm-hmm. I'd love to be that because whenever I whatever I consider not my thing it's usually something I wish I could do so I strive for it 
Well, but that's a good thing. Like Bruce Springsteen or somebody who's very storytelling and mm. very cinematic in his writing. But mine's, I guess, more, more ethereal or whatever. That's not the right word, but it's more interpretive. And what comes first for you when you're writing? The usually, usually a combination of the both. Mm -hmm. Say a, a, a melody line or something. Had a trouble again happen because I mean that is such a power pop tune. I think that came about that particular song mm -hmm. was written in open G, and some with open G when you're playing open tunings for me. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the slate is clean. There's not the shapes that you normally have in a normal guitar. You know, here's you know, all the E's, all the different chord shapes are right here in a normal tuned guitar. Whereas in open tuning, you just put your fingers down, it could be something. It's like, oh, oh, cool. And then the riff dun, 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 came through that, and I just followed the trail. <laughs> you followed the trail. So it's just, it just kind of takes you. Yes. And how did you become, how did lyrics? Was that an organic thing, or did you learn it? No, it was organic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was organic. Did you write poetry when you were? Not very well. So you just went right into lyric writing? Yeah. Have you collaborated at all? I have, over the years, sure. Is that something that, I is that it, easier, harder? It's harder for me. Mm -hmm. It's harder for me. Depends, though. It depends on who I'm collaborating with. Mm -hmm. It's all about have you and Have you and Carney written music together? We've tried, but we ended up fighting. <laughs> that's where I would go. <laughs> and that's what would happen. I'm like, let's get to this part. No, and she's like, mm -hmm. and I just get mad, frustrated, and just walk away. It's like, this ain't happening. <laughs> Someday. But, but, and yet, you guys collaborate a lot oh, yeah. musically. Um, Phillips, yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to how the Wilson Phillips thing happened. Okay, so, so you're, you're in high school, you have this band, you're going to go to Berkeley College of Music. When you're at Berkeley, are you playing out? No. No. Uh, when I went to Berkeley, as soon as I got to Berkeley, it was like I dove into the deep end um, because everybody, all the players around me just were, were light years better than me. I thought I was pretty good, you know, going in, eh, I don't know, you go in, you got ego. in? I did get in, but yeah. oh, they'll, they'll accept anybody. No, they don't. Maybe not. But I think you go in with a certain ego, mm -hmm. and then if you allow it to go and just let it then you become a sponge and you really that's and that was my attitude after about the first two weeks of being there that's conservatory isn't it is it a conservatory is, is it conservatory i don't, I don't know, know what that means what, that mean? what it means is that you can get cut if you don't make the cut is berkeley like that i'm sure you can flunk it out i, I mean because conservatory education is like if each year they like reevaluate who gets to stay. No, yeah, no, okay. it's not like that. Okay. It's much more contemporary music, and it's much. There's a lot of different things. Like you can be a, a music production and engineering major. Uh huh. And but you still have to have a principal. So you were jazz. You were jazz guitar. I wanted to do yeah, nothing but jazz guitar and guitar. That was my thing. That was it. But um, I assume you learned you you did other genres as well when you were there. No. 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 Straight up jazz guitar. Wow. I didn't listen to the radio for four years. What? Yeah, this was 1986 through 90. There wasn't much good on the radio anyway, so I didn't listen to pop radio. I mean, peripherally if it was on, but I did not. Wow. No, I, was, I immersed 100%. Wow. And you're playing all day and night, and yep. you're playing all the time, and you're not playing out, you're just focused on... I wasn't playing out because I wasn't ready to play out. Okay, As so... As a jazz guitarist. Some, some cats were, and some students were, but I wasn't quite there yet. 
So now, did you think when you graduated you were going to be a jazz guitarist? Was that the goal? Mm -hmm. Obviously. Mm -hmm. And so how did that shift? What happened? There was kind of a shift in music at that time, mm -hmm. like from the, from the 80s to the 90s where um, like independent music was kind of, mm -hmm. it started to come to the, to the surface and I started to re-examine that stuff like, you know. So wait, you get out of college. Plop back in Philadelphia. And, and, and what's your life when you get out of I'm college? I'm like, how the hell am I going to, what am I going to do? And how do you make a, are you, I you work, move back my dad, home? My dad had a printing business. Okay. And I worked there. Printing business, right. Printing, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, so thank God, because it really saved me. Okay, so life. you have a day job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you have a day job. Are you playing out at night? Um. Yes, I met friends in Philadelphia. This is the first year I got back. Mm -hmm. I well. The last year, Berkeley, I started to reemerge into the rock and roll thing again because I was doing some recitals with other people at the school who were doing more pop stuff, and it, I was just taking whatever I could at, by the end of my tenure there. Mm -hmm. So I kind of opened my eyes because I was always I could still play rock, but it, it wasn't. But you my had this whole big hole of time that you didn't know the music of four years. I didn't want to know the music. I didn't yeah, care yeah. to. Not that I didn't know. I mean, I knew metal was going on and hair bands, but I didn't care. It wasn't. Uh huh. John Coltrane was a lot more interesting to me than than Warrant. Okay. Sorry, but, uh -huh. but all that shit was just that was stuff. That was life stuff. There, right. that's the music that you take to the grave. Mm -hmm. Um, not rat. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I'm sure, they're great, but you know. Um, so anyway, around that time, I start, Boston was also a pretty thriving town because mm -hmm. the Pixies were coming out. This is pre-Nirvana, slightly pre-Nirvana mm -hmm. when they changed the whole industry. But the Pixies were cool at the time and, and some other Boston bands I can't think of off the top of my head. They were, it was just kind of cool. I mean, mm -hmm. and my ears, and I also worked at Strawberries Records in Kenmore Square for a year. So we were right next door to a place called The Rat. And the rat was like the CBGBs of Boston. Oh, wow. Okay. So when I were close, we would close, I think we would close at 11 or midnight, and I would hear the music next mm -hmm. door, and it was just like, well, crazy like, oh, craziest punk shit. I remember like Gigi Allen came into our steward one time. <laughs> just crazy stuff. But but I got just, I got reacquainted to the... Well, if you're working in a record store, you're yeah, known, you're known well, all yeah, the Yeah, so Guns N' Roses was out, yeah. and... I remember, I remember the playlist well, the church. Bon Jovi was really big then, weren't they? Or was it Cat Yeah, bon Jovi? no, it was about yeah. that time. Yeah. But that, they weren't Guns N' Roses were huge, yeah. That was mm -hmm. slightly after Guns N' Roses. But, but I remember hearing, like, the church. Remember that band, Starfish? No. They had a song called Star, or called, um... Do you know them, Pete? Mm -hmm. under, under the Milky Way was the name of this song. Under the Milky Way tonight, and I wish I knew what I was looking for. It was a really cool tune. Oh, yeah, I remember that. It was kind of like yeah. English pop, English right, whatever, right. and that was on the play. That's where my ears started to perk up, and I was like, I like this stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So I started getting to like that stuff again. And so by the time I was out of Berkeley, I was in a band in New York City, and we would I would drive back from Philadelphia back and forth, and oh wow, band. that was cool. We and played, so where where are you playing in New York? Man, we played CBGBs, and we played God, where else did we play? Uh, did we play the Mercury Lounge? What what year? When was this? This is nineteen ninety ninety one. I was I was doing I was a rock promoter in New York then. Nice. Could have played for me. It's very possible. It's possible, it's possible, possible. you did. <laughs> wow. So anyway, that fell apart or whatever. And so a couple years later, I, I answered an ad in, in or I placed an ad. I don't remember which it was. Mm -hmm. Looking for a band. I wanted to be in a band again because 
guitar rock was, was really it. Matthew Sweet was out at the time, he was big, and just that sound. Mm -hmm. Like it's Beatles, but it's like it harkens back to my sensibilities as a, as a musician growing up as a kid. Mm -hmm. Songs, man. Songs and guitars. I love it. This is great. What could be better than this? And I'll play jazz too. Mm -hmm. And I did. But so anyway, I put places. So you're that. playing like at the blue note and stuff like that as well? No. No. Blue no. That's, okay. That's now, yeah, but what was yet. wait? What was like the like the Vanguard? I was there that? going to see shows. Oh, okay, yes, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. In the Fifty Five Bar in, in in the Village on Christopher Street. I see. I used to see a guy named Mike Stern play there all the time, and Wayne Krantz. All these great. So you're not playing out jazz. I did a few gigs in Philly. Yeah. Uh huh. Just restaurant gigs and mm -hmm. whatever. But mm -hmm. I mean, these were these were the these were high level guys. Yeah. I'm still aspiring to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But I would, yeah, as a fan, I would go and see these shows. Still, of course, I still have, my love was still there. That's when things became duplicitous, and I was like, I love this and this, what am I gonna do? I'll do both. Right, well, it makes good sense. Right, so, so anyway. So how did One Road start to call you? Yeah, um, I wanted to be in a band. I missed, because I was in this New York City band, and we broke up, and I missed it, and I wanted to keep going, and I, I'm learning the, the craft of songwriting now, and I'm, I'm whatever. And how are you learning the craft of songwriting? Teaching yourself? Yes, mm -hmm. teaching myself. Mm -hmm. Writing songs in my I have a four track, a cheap cassette four track recorder. And and, and who who are your songwriting mentors in your head that you had? Oh well, I mean it was always the Beatles, mm -hmm. <laughs> always mm -hmm. the Beatles and just classic rock, and, but also like like that English pop stuff, you know, three minutes, three and a half minutes of sheer. Like the Laws were a great band, mm -hmm. and just like I don't know, just all of that stuff was mm -hmm. great. I just I absorbed it all. I think. Um, and what was your first? Do you remember your first song? <laughs> I'm sure I've forgotten it intentionally. <laughs> it very bad stuff. I would write a lot of pieces of songs. I, it took oh. me a long time to be able to finish a song, start to finish. Do you remember the first song that you finished that you felt good about? That I felt good about. Actually, I do remember the first song I wrote, and this was hearkening back to my high school band, Triton. Mm -hmm. I wrote a couple songs for a demo we made, and I was thinking, if I listen back, it's horrendous, it's terrible. <laughs> but I mean, the spirit was there. I yeah. wanted to be good. I yes. wanted it, you know? I yeah, knew yeah. it wasn't good, but I tried. Um, but how about the first thing that you wrote that you said, yeah, this is a song. This is a pop song. This is a good well, pop I'm, song. I'm so, I'm my own worst critic. Yeah, It's course. hard to say that mm -hmm. this was the first good song. What, what's the first thing that, of yours that you recorded? Start to finish? Mm -hmm. I co-wrote songs in Wanderlust. Okay. I mean, and those were good songs, you know. How much later is Wanderlust? This was 90, I joined in 1993. And how did you guys, how did that happen? I placed an ad in a newspaper or either I can't remember if I think I placed it and they answered it looking for guitars because mm -hmm. I was like a guitarist looking for a band in the style of blah blah blah. You're in New York? No, I'm in Philly. You're in Philly. This was just in Philly, okay. Philly trade, whatever it was called. The, what was it called? The, the Penny Pincher or something. Yeah. <laughs> the Trading Times. It was the Trading Times. Uh huh. Um, so, and they answered the ad and I went down and they were in the center city and we, we played and it was just. Was magic right there, and mm -hmm. we really we gelled instantly. Mm -hmm. We played a lot and everywhere. So okay, so where what kind of mm -hmm. things are you playing with with these guys? Coffee houses, acoustic. Uh -huh. We did we 
Oh, so you're playing acoustic, okay. Doing a lot of, well, not only acoustic, but as a, you know, as a... How many pieces are you? Four piece, mm -hmm. two guitars, bass, drums. Um, and we went to New York City a lot, played, like, there's a place called the Downtime. We played a I lot. I know Downtime. Remember that place? Yeah. I don't know if there's I almost there. booked it, yeah. We got, we are, in Philadelphia, we played, played a place called Dobbs, J.C. Dobbs on mm -hmm. South Street. Mm -hmm. And it was just the quintessential rock club. This is where, like, you know, Pearl Jam played there when, oh, before, cool. before they broke, and Nirvana uh -huh. played before they broke. Wow. It was like, all, it was just a cool mm. rock room, sweaty, mm. and, and we started to eventually just packing the place on the weekend. Oh, wow. So now, are you doing that from your effort, or are you doing it because pe you're just gaining fans? We're gaining fans because mm. we're good, and we're very, we're overly confident about ourselves. And what kind of, can you play some, can you play a Wonderwall song? A piece of one? I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I have no idea what yes. the music was. So it was, it was, it was, it was Beatle influenced power pop. Okay. Alternative rock okay. guitars. We had Rickenbacker guitars out of AC30 Vox AC30. That still have these instruments too. Mm -hmm. And we were just loud and proud. Loud and proud. <laughs> but harmonically, a lot of harmony and a uh -huh. lot. Of, it was very musical. How many part harmony were you? Guys? Just two. Two is good. It was just two part harmony, but it was good. It was mm -hmm. good stuff. And so, eventually, eight months. You know, we we, we kind of honed our. We likened ourselves to being the beat like the Beatles from 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 when they were a skiffle band to Abbey Road. Like we lived that in like six months. Okay, like, what's skiffle band? Skiffle was what the Beatles were before they. Skiffle was like you know the. It's like an offshoot kind of a, of rockabilly where it's just oh. like a real homegrown, just like a wash tub bass thing. Uh -huh. just, you can play a washboard or something. Just very like. Basic. I, I don't, yeah, yeah, real basic, and that's yeah, what the yeah, Beatles, yeah. how the Beatles started, mm -hmm. the skiffle band. And we likened our our evolution of, uh, to that within like a six month to one year time period. We really grew. So you you got Siri, the fan, it just had a life of its own. We had a lot of friends, and 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 we were just a very dynamic unit on stage, mm -hmm. and just as a live band, we were really good. Okay, so you're playing the venues, and yes. what happens? How do you get signed? We got signed, we played a J.C. Dobbs show. Mm -hmm. This was, I want to say, was this in 1994? Late 94. Mm -hmm. Do you still have a day job? Yeah, I'm still mm -hmm. working at the deck. Mm -hmm. I remember, I remember the day I got signed, and I'm like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, wait, because my dad <laughs> sold the business, but I was still working there under another guy, mm -hmm. and it was just like, it wasn't the same, like, you can get away with shit with your doing work. Hell yeah. Come in at noon, <laughs> and I did. Yeah. Um, and I could get away with shit with this new owner. So I remember, like, we just got signed, and uh, uh, this is my you this is my one day notice. I'll see you. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, I went. I was the last day I worked. The next day, we were in the studio <laughs> making our record for RCA. Wow. It was really it was a magical time. And, and so and and okay, so you make your first record. Yes. And how do you open for the Who? How the hell does no. that happen? That was uh, it was a circumstantial thing. This was a couple of years, maybe two years later. Mm -hmm. um, we were booked through Premier Entertainment mm -hmm. or Premier, whatever they were, and they also booked the Who. And the Who were coming over to do Quadrophenia. Mm -hmm. This was in '96, mm -hmm. so it was a big production. It had Billy Idol was in it, and Gary Glitter before he went to jail. <laughs> this had uh, like. Simon Townsend, Pete's brother, was playing. It was a big thing. Wow. Like, Billy Idol was bellboy, and it was a whole production. Like, the first time they were touring Quadrophenia wow. in this manner. And there's a band called Ocean Color Scene, or a British band, who, the, who had chosen to tour the States with. 
and their first show was in Landover, Maryland. It was outside of Baltimore, I remember. Mm -hmm. And Ocean Color Scene were not able to get visas, or something happened, and they couldn't get over. And so we got the call from here. You guys want to open for the Who? And we were just like, what? <laughs> okay, so what venue was that? It was the it was the USAR Arena in Landover, how, Maryland. How many people were we talking? I think it was about 11,000. I'm assuming it was the biggest show that you played to date. Um, no? No, we played in we played an outdoor show in Detroit that was what fifty thousand or so. Oh my but it wasn't our show. It, I mean, it wasn't at some. It was like a an all day festival kind of thing. But still, but still, okay, eleven thousand so, people in an arena. Yeah, that was the first. Okay, so wait. So let's go back to the fifty thousand. Yeah. That, what's it like the first time you walk out on stage and that's going on out there? We were on tour, so it was just like one thing after the next. It was one of those radio things where they used to have all-day events, right. like all these bands that had hits on their playlists or whatever, and that's what it was. It was one of those things, and it was in Detroit. So you do like three songs or something? We did. No, I think we did a set, like yeah, a half yeah. an hour set. Mm -hmm. And then after us was like, I don't know who it was, whoever it was, better than Ezra or something, whatever. Um, so the tour you were on, what kind of venues were you playing out on tour? We did our own tour, mm -hmm. club tour. Mm -hmm that kind of brought us from Philly all the way out to about Denver and back. Okay, and then we picked up Collective Soul Tour. Oh, and nice. they had just come out with their second album, which was huge. They mm -hmm. sold, I don't know how many millions of records. And they loved us and they took us out. And so we were out with them for a few months. And what kind of venues are you playing with them? Where then we were playing theaters, like 1,500 to 3,000 seat places. Nice. Colleges, mm -hmm. outdoor things. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was, that was a blast. Was and how, how are the audiences to the opening band when they're generally playing? good? Yeah, uh -huh. generally good. Mm -hmm. We had a couple guys. I remember. Sorry, my face spinning. I remember one, one, one time. Scott Scott is our lead singer. He's and so a lot of it rested on him. He was in the front, <laughs> and we were playing. I don't know where, and it was some like biker guy was in the front, just like that oh. the whole time. Oh, you don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. But everybody else was cool. We were like, ah. But generally speaking, the audiences were very receptive because we were we were like we were like-minded bands. We were right. Similar. Okay, so now so now you're gonna you're opening for the Who in this arena. It was only one time, but yes, yes, yes. And you, we saw we videotaped. You the you find out storm. you're getting this gig, yes. which has to be just of course these are heroes, right? These are heroes. Yeah. Did you get to did you meet them? Yes. yes. And what was that like? Roger Daltrey was a sweet guy, very sweet. We took we took pictures with him and. And I remember we were in our dressing room and Pete Townsend kind of stuck his head and he's like, what are you guys doing? And I just, we were trying to say something like, we love you, Peter. And he's, he couldn't hear a thing. So yeah. he's just like, eh, and he walked out. Um, but we took a liking to, John Nimitz was still alive, mm -hmm. and his girlfriend, we, she took a liking to us and we just hung out with, with her. And then we went after the show, we went to a bar and we were hanging out with Giant Twistle. Oh my God. Oh, it's, what? This is surreal. You know, it's all surreal. We did our little half hour set and people were cool and they cheered and nobody booed us, it was thankfully. And <laughs> what a that was it. I just remember being, it was very echoey and loud. It's just like, oof, it's very different from what we're used to. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> you know? Wow, very cool. Okay, so so you guys are playing, so how does the band fall apart? What happens? Why no more? <sighs> the label, <clears throat> the label really kind of. Does your album do well? It does okay. We never had a video. They, and this was in the age, this was in like 80 TV, video. Yeah. They didn't want to give us a budget for a video. They didn't. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. 
mm-hmm. whatever their reasoning was. And RCA at the time was was just turning over people, turning over mm-hmm. people. So like the, there's a new boss, and then we our priorities got whatever. So we we spent the next like a year and a half in the studio making a second album, and by that time like we were at each other's throats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like it's your, you know, it's like yeah, it's your misplaced fault. aggression and sure. things aren't happening the way we want. It's typical shit. Mm-hmm. And you know, I wanted to write more. I knew I quite wasn't, you know, I was still. Were you learning. writing songs for the band? Or Co-writing. Was I wasn't writing songs on okay. my. I was writing songs on my own. Yes, I was, mm-hmm. but I was learning. It was mm-hmm. still a learning process for me. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, yeah, I probably wasn't in the position to be. You know demanding that I write my own songs or have my own side of the album kind of thing however mm-hmm. much I wanted that mm-hmm. so you know and it just became acrimonious and just split up and we didn't we didn't talk to one another for 10 years oh. <laughs> mostly me I didn't talk to to the other guys and that's the way it was we went our separate ways and how did you how did that fence get mended it was just time to put water under the bridge, and mm-hmm. you, you start to forget the bullshit and all the nonsense that went on, and you start to be sentimental about the great times we had, mm-hmm. and how magical it was, and wow, it was rare that, that we had this. Mm-hmm. And it really was rare, I mean, the chemistry we had was rare, and I think it was even mentioned back in the day when we were together, like, this is probably the best it's gonna be, guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, talking amongst ourselves, and mm-hmm. it was kind of true in terms mm-hmm. of a musical, true collaboration, true four pieces bigger than the Somewhere. And were they friends and playing together before you came into the band? Shortly, did very it shortly. All, so it all just came together yeah. for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was all we divinely guided. We were kids, man. I mean, it's just like looking back at pictures from when we first started. Mm-hmm. Very young, mm-hmm. <laughs> mid twenties, but you know. Yeah. No, that's pretty young. Yeah. So, so what happens when you guys break up? What are you doing then? I didn't know what to do. I was. It was really things crashed down, and I just joined. How were you the making band. a living? I was doing temporary work, mm-hmm. working, working like phone. I was house painting, mm-hmm. which is okay. I did that for two years, made good money, learned a skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All that time was, I started gestating like songs and songwriting and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it, how I wanted to say it. And I don't have the restraints of this band. So was it was it a liberation or was it a oh my god we fail? What was it both? Was it? It was a slow crumbling. Like we broke up and then we kind of got back together, uh, but it wasn't the same. We had a different drummer and then it wasn't the same. And then the original drummer came back and we toured, went to Europe and played a few things. Uh, uh-huh. And then it just all fell apart because so trust, it all, but trust but it, fell apart. Hmm. Trust between myself and some other members. Just and so when it fell apart, did you feel like did you feel like the best was yet to come, or did you feel like, oh my God, was that like the best it's ever gonna be, or did you have both stuff going on, or did you have confidence that you were going to find your way? No, I was shattered mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. It really took, I was teaching guitar, I was doing things, but I was really empty inside. Mm-hmm. Like I needed to have, I, and doing the painting and all that stuff, it, like I said, it gave me time to really just mm-hmm. be alone zen out and determine what I want to do mm-hmm. and how I want to do it and I started to I think I started to grow as a songwriter I started to write more songs at that time and mm-hmm. were you recording your stuff um, were you making demos and stuff or were you yeah, I was making demos mm-hmm. demos at home mm-hmm. 
Um, and I met Tony around that time. Okay, so we were both. She had just come out of a long-term relationship. I had come out of this thing and out of a relationship, and we just had a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. so. so you moved out to LA? No. Oh. No, she moves to Philly. She moves to Philly? Yep. Wow, <laughs> you got some power there, my friend. Holy moly. Yes, she moved to Philly for a year. Uh-huh. And, um, and what are you guys doing when she's in Philly? We lived in a town called Manioc. Mm -hmm. Which was charming. I loved it. Mm -hmm. We lived on a, town, a street called Davis Street, and it was at the top. Maniac is very hill, very hilly. It's all row homes. I don't know if you uh -huh. Some people don't know what row homes are. I, I row, no, yeah, they're all the same. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we lived in a cool row home, mm -hmm. and it was just a quaint little. It was our place, you know, and we had the park of the street. The parking was tough, and it was the snow was a pain in the ass, but we. And so, how are you? The, how are you like? Making a living and I was still painting. You're still painting, painting yeah. and and are you playing? Are you do you have a band? Are you yeah, playing? I was playing in a band. And what is she doing music at this time? Um, no. No, she's not. No, she wanted. She wanted desperately to get Wilson Swopes back together. Mm -hmm. This is prior to that. Mm -hmm. Just prior to that. Um, so she's being a domestic. Goddess? Yes. Yes. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny because she would be upstairs cooking. I'd be in the basement writing songs. And it was really, it was, it was, it was a yeah. cool time. It was yeah. a happy time. Yeah. Yeah. How so, soon did kids come? Not oh, yet. Not until five years later. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, so you spend a year. Spent a year there and then, you know, we were going back and forth to California. We got married out here but mm -hmm. moved back there. I mean, not moved back there, but got married out here, went back home. Mm -hmm. I was ready for a change. She was ready to go back, and that's when we came back. Okay, so you come to LA, yeah. and I have about ten songs that I was ready to shop around and try to. So I got put a band together and almost got signed mm -hmm. to Hollywood Records. Almost, they gave me money, but it didn't happen. Oh, really? <laughs> and so that didn't happen initially, this is 2001, 2002, mm -hmm. and this is also 9-11 happened, and then mm -hmm. everything kind of went to shit, like mm -hmm. the music industry really started to, mm -hmm. um, so then I ended up writing more songs, and uh, around 2003 or 4, um, through a manager that I had, I met a producer named Sylvia Massey, mm -hmm. who had a studio up in Northern California. She's great. She's she's um, engineered by Tool and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm -hmm. She was on Wildflowers, Tom Petty's Wildflowers, as an engineer somewhere. So she's just great, mm -hmm. great gear, um, cool studio. And I went up there and made a record. This was in two yeah two thousand four. I spent about six weeks up there and did mm -hmm. my first album up there. And right around that time, Carney got pregnant with our first baby. <laughs> So it all kind of like whatever. So and then I ended up releasing that record through an independent label, and that was my first. It was under a band, but it was it was my solo album. Called, it was called The Skies of America. Mm -hmm. That was kind of like the band name, but it was just me. Mm -hmm. And that did was my first out, album. Did you go out and support? I did. It? Yeah, yeah, I toured for about mm -hmm. two months, mm -hmm. six weeks, two months, mm -hmm. in a trailer. You know, it was, mm -hmm. and it was fun. Mm -hmm. It was really fun, and that was like, this is my band now. This is what I'm gonna do. Mm -hmm. and it felt great and from there I just started making albums on my own and then how when did the Wilson Phillips things oh, did okay so then yeah this was around 2003 that they decided to regroup mm -hmm. and they was this they did a record called California 
which Peter Asher produced. Mm -hmm. And I just played with Peter Asher two weeks ago, so it's it all came right. I don't think we talked about that on the air. We'll get to the Flower Power Tour oh, yeah. and all that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah, so they made this California record, and they were going to tour. We did some shows. I was in the band. So, okay, so how does that happen? Um, the nepotism thing, like, was, mm -hmm. was there any pushback? Was was it just yes, Rob? Yeah, come be in the band. Like, how did that happen? Well, I don't think there was pushback because I was capable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that maybe from an outsider you could say, oh, well, look, you gave you that because you're blah blah blah. Oh yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm close to it. Mm -hmm. But you got you still got to represent. Have goods. Yeah. Exactly. We did mm -hmm. TV and stuff, you know, and I was backing them on acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. So if I sucked, it would have been pretty apparent. <laughs> I don't think I sucked though. <laughs> no, I don't thankfully. think so. Thankful, thankfully. Um, but you're not the musical director initially, or are you, right away? It, uh, it wasn't really a full band initially. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this was 2004-ish. Mm -hmm. um, and we were just doing acoustic things, if I recall. I think we had a band. Actually, actually, no, we did have a band. We did appear at the Santa Monica Pier. Mm -hmm. We did a concert there, but the band was my band. Oh. We were a good band. We uh. back, and, yeah. Um, what, is somebody asking a question? No, I just saw Peter. Oh, Peter you're Asher, Peter. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's you with you. You with Peter Asher? No. And Thomas not, Walsh? Not me. I was with Peter Asher. You and, and with I'm Peter friends Asher. With Thomas Walsh. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> not me. Wrong name. <laughs> but right, right information, though. Right information. Um, so, okay, so everybody got pregnant. Everybody got pregnant. And that album got chilled. I mean, it, got, it was released, but the tour... Wasn't no tour because everybody, everybody got pregnant in that band. Everybody. Wow! Craziness. So <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, what happened after that? Is this the second child for you? No, this is the this first. Is your this first is your first. Oh, okay. Well, no, because she was not pregnant yet, but her sister got pregnant. Mm. So that kind of put a kibosh on the mm. on the plans to <laughs> promote this record. Yeah. <laughs> but it was still put. It was still released, but whatever. Um, what happened after that? I can't remember. So it's two thousand five. Okay, so my album came out. Mm -hmm. It was recorded in 2004, but released in 2006, and I toured in 2006. And I guess we had we had, we just had the baby in mm -hmm. 2005. Yeah, 2005. So we had a newborn in 2005. That's what I was doing for a year. Um, yeah. And writing, writing for the next, writing a new an, an album for that after that. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? And then I think they right around when I went on tour for my record in 2006. Mm -hmm was when they decided to put the, the band together for Wilson Phillips. Okay. And I was on tour, so I couldn't be in the, in the very initial beginning of it. Mm -hmm. But then when I came back, I, I was a guitar player, and um, there's another guitar, a great guitarist named Troy Dexter, who's still in the band. He's an incredible musician. Mm -hmm. um, and we kind of shuffled around players and whatever. And so now everybody's got newborns. How are you doing this? I mean, that's like, so, like, how, how do you go out on tour? There's a lot of pushback got... for, like, we don't really want to go on. <laughs> Come on, we got to work. Let's go. We got, it's not like we're all rich here. Do you take here. the babies with you? Mm, you, no. you have people that take care of the babies. We didn't, guys... there, was never a, there was never a time when we were out for stretches of time. I see. Or like, maybe weekends. I see. Unfortunately, I wish it were different. I wish we had gone out for longer, and I wish we still do that, but we don't. Um, when does Bridesmaids happen? Bridesmaids was 
2013, maybe? Because that's a life changer right there. Yeah, so right? it, it, it pushed the price up for Wilson Phillips. Oh, and hell yeah. yeah. A lot more offers. And expo like I was saying when Harry was here earlier, you know, it's like that's how they know Wilson Phillips. That's interesting. From, from the, the whatever, the next gen or whatever. He's, he's about to be 25. My daughter's 21. That's how they know Wilson Phillips from the movie. It's funny. When, when I first got out of Berkeley and was working at my dad's print shop, that's what was on the radio. Hold on. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I was a jazz bow. Oh, that's so funny. But no, I, I learned a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, we're still doing it. We're still doing that sporadic dates here and there. Yeah, I was listening to, or Carney was saying, oh, maybe it was on Celebrity Wife Swap still, which is a few years ago, and she mm -hmm. was saying that she had just come back from 10 days on the road and... Right yeah, before you did that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. And so those those things still happen that you go out for a spurt mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and uh Yeah. Yeah. And and not enough though. Guys you gotta work more. <laughs> you gotta work more, please. And so uh so you have like a sort of storied father in law. Yes. Um yes, I do. <laughs> so and he's got an interesting story. Oh, I sure does. So what's it like when you meet Brian? And, and he wasn't playing back then. He wasn't playing out back in those days, was he? He had just started. Oh, he had just started playing? Just started, oh, okay. yeah. That was when he just began. And it might have been just prior to that, too. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because they started around 2000, I want to say. 1999, 2000. I, 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 yeah, yeah. And so what's your, what was your personal relationship like when you met him? It's surreal. Yeah. But, you know. I, I mean, is he just your father-in-law? He's Brian Wilson. Well, he is that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, do you just sit around and like shoot the shit? You can't sit. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's surreal. I can't. I couldn't really put. I couldn't. If 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 I really let it all sink in, mm -hmm. it just it'd be too much. My head would explode. Mm -hmm. I can only I can only compartmentalize it. It's like. That's Carney's dad, yeah, that's Carney's dad. But yeah, he also did all of, oh yeah, what? It's just like a lot of, wow, head spinning. And so how do you end up playing with him? How oh, that didn't come out until years later. Um, how does that opportunity I've, happen? I've grown through the years to know the band well. Mm -hmm. Darian's a wonderful, wonderful cat, man, great player, sweet guy, and all the guys in the band are so great. Mm -hmm. I would just always see them, because we would go to shows and hang out backstage. Mm -hmm. And there was always like a thing like, when are you going to be in the band? <laughs> I was never in the band because there was never an opening. Ah. These guys were with them for 20 years. I'm not going to shove anybody out. It's not, these, this is was guys Brian doing. well aware of what you were doing? Because he knew. I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know. Because mm -hmm. I never pushed it. I don't know. You mm -hmm. know it's, that's not the thing to do. <laughs> yeah. You don't push. You're doing whatever. Uh-huh. Because I'm son-in-law. Here's my music. Listen. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't. I never wanted to be that kind of guy. Um, but it just so happened that last year mm -hmm. the opening came up, and I was like, "Hi, they called." So, and it was tremendous. I mean, and I heard like you were singing a lot of those Beach Boy har yeah. high harmonies yes. a lot, and lead. I sang, I sang a lot of lead songs. You sure do. I took the high spots, and it was something I that struck me with great fear. <laughs> I can imagine. Not that I can't. You know, I didn't. You got the chops, but I got the still, chops, you're doing it with I have to, Exactly. Yeah. But it, you know, you have to be pro and do your job. And so what? So what was it like doing that first show with them? 
a little scary yeah. because we were doing it was a pet sounds show. We had to do the whole album pet oh sounds. Oh gosh! So it was a little. It was like jumping, just jumping into the deep end. Absolutely. Because we didn't have a whole lot of rehearsal. Mm-hmm. We and this was for the Christmas tour too. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of Christmas stuff later on. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn a lot of stuff. Pet sounds to greatest hits to Christmas stuff. Um, I just immersed myself and. and there were there were moments of like I, I can't do this, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. It's funny because in LA, just here in LA is where I was working up, and I just there were times I just couldn't reach the note. But when, once we were out on the road and outside of this town, it's like for whatever reason the air I could just bam. No never, kidding. Never never got tired. My voice never tired. How interesting. Is it the smog? What is it? I don't know. That's Maybe. so weird. I don't know. Uh-huh. But but I surprised myself, and I really. I did a good job. And, and so, how, so did Brian ever tell you you did a good job? Is he that kind of guy? I was told I did a good job. Yeah. Okay, good. I was told, mm-hmm. and I could feel it. Mm-hmm. I really felt good. It felt good. I knew when I was when when I wasn't quite on, and I knew you're always hyper focused and hyper aware of what you do. But I'm just one piece of the, the huge puzzle. Right. You know, I gotta I do gotta carry a lot of stuff, a lot of very important parts. Mm-hmm. But I'm still just a piece of this whole thing, so mm-hmm. I gotta be good for everybody else and myself. And I, I'm good in that respect. I can really hyper focus mm-hmm. and beyond. What sign are you? When's your birthday? I'm a Leo on July 24th. Okay, hyper focus. So now, how did the wild honey thing happen for you? How did that association? Yeah, and I love those guys dearly. So it, let's explain what wild honey is for the people. Wild out there. honey is 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 a group, a collective of of. LA-based musicians, um, all great, highly accomplished players, and we all kind of gather around um, Paul Rock, who who we, we, there's a, there's a there's a foundation called the Autism Think Tank, and every year we do a big big show that benefits the Autism Think Tank, and Paul Rock is like the the the, the he's the the he's Rock the, he's the Rock he's, he's the, the Rock he's the central galaxy or uh, the central black hole around the galaxy. They just we found, the black, they <laughs> found the black hole today. I like, love this stuff it's too. Crazy. I could talk about that for five. <laughs> I love this. That's, that's, you should see the YouTube stuff I do at night. It's mathematics and black hole stuff for whatever reason. I, okay. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Weird stuff. I, know. I don't understand any of it, but I think it's really cool. So anyway, so, okay, mm-hmm. Wild Honey. So, um, David Jenkins is also one of the spirits. Hi, David. He's he's a mensch. He's the greatest guy in LA. <laughs> he brings so many people together, and he's just the the central. He's the centrifugal, whatever. That he's just a great guy, and he kind of got me into that because I, I I think I knew him from True Tone. Just he knew he knew some guys from Wanderlust, and we just knew each other peripherally. We were Facebook friends. True Tone is is the music store. True Tone yeah. in Santa Monica, yeah. yeah. And um, I think. So I, how long have you been doing Wild Honey? Three or four years now. Okay. I did three shows with him so far. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love everybody there. I love everyone. The concerts are amazing. This year, the, the Kings. Concert, yeah. The, the, this was my favorite of the three yeah. that I've seen. We did Village Green Preservation was, Society and a bunch of songs that surrounded that. And Andrew Sandoval, Andrew Sandoval, who's an in- integral part of this organization as well, um, he produced, or he curated the the box set that was the the King's Village Green Preservation Society re-release, which is just an exquisite mm. 
thing on music is just like, wow. And he's a big part of it. And also, I gotta give my love to Jim Lespiza because Jim plays drums in Wild Honey and is a dear friend of mine. He's also in my band and we're on the Brian Wilson band together. And oh, he's, wow. He's my buddy and, and he really championed me and he's the brother from another mother. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And so, so, so what, uh, what haven't you done that you'd still love to do? Is there anything? Are you happy doing Everything. what you're doing? Are you happy doing what you're doing? I want to play. Keep doing this? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm happy to do just this. Mm -hmm. However, no, I mean, I'm never 100% satisfied. And but you still go out and do jazz gigs? Absolutely, I want to mm -hmm. play, play New York Jazz Club someday. But if that's, you, you gotta be in that. You gotta immerse mm -hmm. yourself a thousand percent. It's hard to do when I'm duplicitous like this, like I keep saying. But I'm gonna do it, man. I'm gonna drop dead, I'm gonna put the guitar in my hand. So, I have some friends that do that thing in New York, Will Lee and, and Jimmy I love Will. Lee. I met Will Lee just through the, recently. Oh, do you yeah. know David Maida? I don't know David. David books the Iridium. Okay. And that's, and we were there to see Steve Lukather, who was a friend as well. Uh -huh. Who I love dearly. He's a, he's one of a kind. There's nothing like him. It was Steve and Will Lee and... I saw that Will was playing with Steve. Yeah, and Keith Carlock, the drummer, the great drummer. He's out, he's a jazz cat as well, but he's out of Steely Dan now. Mm -hmm. Another dude, dude that does jazz and he does rock as well. So, and I, I saw them play. And as a keyboard, I can't remember the keyboard player name, like keyboard player's name, but they were just unbelievable. Jeff, I saw him play with Jeff Young recently with Oz mm -hmm. Noy, who's a new, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's another monster. Yeah, he is <laughs> quite, quite, quite the guy. But anyway, so I just met Will nice. recently. Nice. Took pictures. Yeah, that's a great guy. What a great guy. Wow, what a storied career that man has had. I yeah. mean, from he was in a band called Dreams. Way back when, yeah, 1970, with, with 69, with, yeah. with Michael Bradford, Bradford Brothers, and I forget who else was there. Wow, incredible! But it yeah. is incredible. So, so you you still got a lot. You still got a lot. Yeah, of, I want to play the New York Jazz Clubs, man. And and how about like, you, are you out supporting Trouble again? You're not playing out. I want to be. I just I've been busy. I've been doing like gigs, like doing other things, like this cruise. So, okay, so talk did. about the cruises. You okay, just so did. I just got off. The seventies rock and romance and the sixties flower power. These are two separate. Okay, so groups. wait, they're different because one is seventies, one is sixties. The themes are different, and okay. the passengers disembark and they come on. It's a whole different. Some stay for both, but okay, it's it just so coincided that they were back to back and on the same ship, so we didn't have to pick up and move somewhere else. Okay, um, was it all the same musicians on both? We were. <clears> I think the there's a few people that stayed on for both, but okay. No, not in terms of headliners. Like it's very different. Like Foreigner was on for the '70s. Leo Sayer, uh, Gino Vanelli was there, um, and then for the '60s one, Mike Love's Beach Boys were a part of it. Calsills uh -huh. were there. Oh, so that's why John Calsill was there to play with because yeah, he yeah, was doing exactly. the Beach Boys thing. Exactly, right? ah, and he didn't okay. play with the Calsills. He oh, only watched. He, no. uh, he was just a, in the audience. <laughs> wow. That's yes, crazy. Uh, the Family Stone were there. I think it's mm. Sly and I forget what his wife's name was, and her, their daughter run an incredible band. So anyway, we were kind of like the the house band. Oh, like we back. <coughs> we did our own sets. We did mm -hmm. a Badfinger set for the seventies. We did a Bookends, the Simon Garf Garfunkel album, start to finish for the sixties one. We did Deja Vu, start to finish. We backed <coughs> the great singer Kara Lee, who did. Stevie Nicks set for the 70s cruise, mm -hmm. and then we backed her doing a Janis Joplin set for the 60s cruise. Wow. And then our main focus there was, was backing Peter Asher. <coughs> so there's 
Peter Asher comes into the picture. Now, how does your relationship with Peter, Peter Asher, how did that start? How did it start? Well, yeah. I credit his, his uh, musical director, Jeff Ross, who's mm -hmm. my good friend, for getting me into that organization. But I knew Peter from the Wilson Phillips when he produced their album in 2004. That's when I met him. Um, and I just, just joined the band. So like doing these gigs, yeah. it's fun, right? Oh my god, I love it. This is my life. Yeah. I love it. You played all this great music. Yeah. It was so much work in preparation to get all those charts together and get all that music. And we did ten different sets. Right, of music. you're the house band. So we were kind of the house band. We had maybe two hundred songs. Oh wow! From everything, from Herman's Hermits to Sarah by Fleetwood Mac. Everything, everything. And you're playing three shows a day. You're About three shows yeah. a day, you know, wow. two, three shows a day. Mm -hmm. It's it's all day, every day. Wow. And it's like I live and die for it. It's my thing. That's what I love. That's what I always wanted to do. So I'm just. Living the dream. Yeah. You know? The dream is what you, I guess, what you make of, of your life. It's, life it's the dream. What, yeah. I, of course, I want to do more. Of course, I want to go back out with Brian again. Of course, I want to play New York City jazz clubs. Of course, I want to, you know, there's too much. There's so much. You know, and I want to make another record again. And I feel guilty that I'm doing so many gigs that I haven't had time to write. You know, so that voice inside of me is just like always there. That's not good. Doing enough. Well, that's not good. We, I, yeah. I, I hear that, but I'm sure you understand. I mean, yeah. people, people artists understand and that you're not good enough. You're not. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a low self-esteem thing to the deepest core of it all. But it's you gotta makes make, great art. Probably yeah, make lemon, lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> so okay. So before we go, Rob, I would love for you to play us out with something. What? What? Um, sure. Something that. Uh, I don't know, something that thrills you that, that you love. Well, I just, I'll play something from the album. Yeah, definitely. What do you, what do you want to play? Um, let's play Passenger Seat. Oh, yay. I was hoping you were going to play that. Should I play Passenger Seat? I love all that. Right, all right, all right. I'll try. I'll play some of it. I don't want to play the whole thing because... All right, play, play what you want to play. Because I don't, I don't. I'm still in Stevie Nicks land. Yeah. I'll play Dreams for you. You can, you can, you can play a little, you don't want to play a cover. You want to play, <laughs> you want to play you. So uh, how does this go again? <clears throat> oh, shit. Wait, before you play, Pete, are there any questions that we should we should ask Rob before we go? Uh, there may be one. Uh, let's see. There's a lot of comments, but people aren't asking questions. <laughs> Did you ever get discouraged while in your career? Discouraged hmm. every day. Yep. <laughs> every day. It's like, well, at this point, I'm like, I've already accepted my path, but... For years, it's like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? This is just absolute self-punishment. But you know what? If you, at the end of the day, it's like, but look at the, you know, you know, there's, yeah, good days and bad. Yeah. <laughs> Some, I just looked, somebody just wrote passenger seat rules. So I, oh, I, I think, and that was yeah. way before you said you were going to play it. Oh, Any other questions, Pete? I'm just seeing comments. Uh, one other question was, would you re recommend Berkeley? Someone's daughter is going to go there, maybe. I have not been to Berkeley. I mean, I graduated in 1990, okay? And it's, it's mm. completely changed since then. Mm. I mean, when I graduated, there was no internet, okay? So there was wow. no yeah. smartphones or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's very, very different. But, but, but Berkeley has always been at the cusp of technology and what's the latest. And they bought a bunch of new buildings and they really expanded the campus. I'd say go and check it out. I mean, just being in Boston around greatest musicians in the world is worth it. Um, so. Can we, you move the mic in because people are complaining about the sound again, which I didn't know. Uh, yeah, sounds great here.
Um, people are saying on the thread that they're having a hard time hearing, which there's no reason for that. And maybe we can turn. Let's. Is it's all the way up. Okay. So yeah. Thank you. Um, that should not be happening. I think we're gonna have to like put the mic, like way closer, <laughs> which is crazy. Because we used to just use the the iPhone 10. Never oh, had yeah. a problem with sound. Started. You, I I don't know what. I'm gonna go back to the. I don't know why we're having this problem, but we'll yeah. go figure it out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Elaine. I just saw that comment now. Um. All right. Let's see. They were just getting a lot of I love yous. I love uh, you, I, I love you, I love you. I love you all. And, uh, You're all great people. I know all you. Lovely, yeah, lovely Sal people. and Mary Ellen and Paige and... Michael. Michael. Mary. Um, Teo. Hi, Teo. Um, uh, yes, she does, Teo. Aw, thank yes, you, Teo. That's very <laughs> sweet. Um, Robert. Oh, and hi, Robert. Annie, Maria... Elaine, uh, who else are we saying hi to? I don't know. Mary Ellen and Paige have a lot to say. Ah, oh, you guys. They're sweeties. And, Thank you. Um, but all, a lot of love for you. Sweet. And, you know, that's the thing about you, Rob, that I, I talked about on the, on, the, on the Facebook, but I really haven't said anything since we've... Oh, uh, I, do. Rob, I haven't said um, since we've been live on the show is that, you. you know, I met you at... Uh, and, and Nick Guzman, I, I want to mm. thank Christina and Nick because they're the reason that I met you. I, I went to them. Nick's house concert. Nick and Christina, I love, and Tony. Sweet, Just an sweet. amazing family, Wonderful the Guzmans. And, um, and Nick is an amazing musician oh, and amazing a great singer-songwriter. Yep. And sure um, I would never in a million years know that he was someone that had a, 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 was on the spectrum of sorts. I mean, he is so incredibly talented and such a lovely... He really is guy and so when I met you that day oh and I want to give a shout out to Zach oh, I met Zach. that same day uh, Zach Nelson was there playing with you guys mm -hmm. he was playing drums Zach and he he has Zach found out a few weeks a couple months ago that he has cancer yeah, and he's so. been doing these cancer rokies <laughs> is, that, is that what it's called yeah, cancer rokies and so every day he gets Zach out there. The he's the he's amazing. So he gets out there and he does he does cancer rookies and, and does, yeah. puts them on the Facebook and it's fantastic. He's the best. And Bravo. just has a great attitude. But anyway, yes, meeting you guys, you were both just lovely. And just immediately like I didn't have a clue what the history was or anything. I just you showed up for Nick. You you just you show up. You look at what, what's going on? My shirt my my boob now? <laughs> There's a comment. Somebody saw my boob? Yeah. Really? Yeah. There's a comment. Was it my mother? Uh, no. no. Sal oh. Gomez said to adjust your blouse. Thank you, Sal. <laughs> I know it's said an hour ago, but I want to say it. I was going to move the mic. Adjust the girls? Is that, is that what? Adjust the girls it, with it's my It's stereo. Was it like the whole show? Was I sticking out? Oh, it was great. I mean, I don't know. Oh, what, come on, Pete. <laughs> I, I didn't even notice. You were letting me... <laughs> thank, thank you very much. I was Look, focused on the, your hips. The laughs. So, yeah, thank you very much. My sitting down, my lips don't... My, my lips don't... My, how do I get some lips? Um, but anyway, you, you are... Uh, yeah, there is no getting sick in showbiz, and there's just... And this is why you are having a career. You know? I hope so. Yeah, I've so. always considered myself a late bloomer in everything I've done. It just takes me... I take my time. I don't know what it is. I just... That's what I've come to the to the realization. I'm a late bloomer. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it's it's kind of it's comforting. 
because for, for a long time I thought I just don't I don't get this or whatever it is no I'm just slow I'm methodical mm -hmm. you come to that realization then you're kind of comfortable with yourself I guess a little more <laughs> I, I don't think any, there's any artist that says hey I'm, I, I'm, I'm the shit I'm really great I know some people that you know well, yeah, but I think maybe that's a lot of bravado. I don't know it's if anybody absolutely. really believes that. It's it's, a, it's so obviously an insecurity mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, so Rob's going to play us out. And um, <laughs> God, I didn't even look. I don't even remember who's going to be with us next week. But let me just take a quick look so I can say who people should come back and see next week. Um, oh, my God. Peter Onorati is going to be here, and he cop rocked it. Well, this is that's before your time, but Peter's been on every single show that has ever been made. He's on like a couple right now, but he was like, I, I just he's always, um, well, he's he's a formidable, fantastic actor, mm. and uh, has done amazing work. His his IMDb is like sky, but Cop Rock was a show um, that. They incorporated music into like a cop. So I remember that, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and he was amazing. It was an right, amazing right. show. It was, it was short lived and it wasn't really appreciated. It was before its time. It wasn't that um, long ago, though, was it? No, well, yeah, I think it was in the 80s. Okay. I want to say it was in the 80s. Right. Um, Peter's, Peter's IMDb is incredible. Oh, wow. And um, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And he's very, very funny. And he's very. Um, uh, active on Facebook and he posts a lot politically and he's a smart guy and anyway I'm looking forward to chatting with him and it took, it took a lot to uh, to uh, he's busy so it was so I'm excited that he's coming so um, and you're busy too and so Rob's gonna play us out I'll play all, I'll play all up to the course cool uh, passenger seat this one always I wrote this a little high so it kind of taxes my voice but Oh, I thought you were, you, you were high. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I read a little high range. Okay. Although maybe if I was high, I would have been no.
that song. I adore you. Thank you Thank so you, much for doing You're this. <laughs> we've, we've tried a couple times to we do did, this, we so we waited a long time, and um, it was worth waiting for you, worth waiting for. And um, don't forget, you guys. That's one of them. I'm selling a number of CDs on my site, so okay. check, check them out. That's I, I listened to a bunch of them, to, but Trouble Again is the new That's one, the and this is where you can find Rob. You can take a little screenshot of that so you don't have to spell, which is very nice. That's right. <laughs> and, um, and Pete, thank you so much for, for doing this, and, and I adore you, Rob. And, You're best, um, uh, Let's do it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm into that. And uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. And uh, thank, Yeah, thank you guys. I love you, every one of you guys. They love you so love you much. You have so much I'm love. I'm very grateful to have such good friends. <laughs> It's nice. And, nice. and it means, I, 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 did I ever make that point about what a nice guy you are? Yeah. Oh. Like the nicest. And that's why good things happen to... They say nice guys finish. I don't believe that that's the truth, though. <laughs> I do not believe that's the truth. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.